Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisTours.com, where you can receive a discount off your next purchase of professional tennis event tickets by using the promotional code ESSENTIAL. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's show, and I've got a special treat on today's episode. We have Master Racket Technician Jeremy Plumley back in the house. It's, it's been a while since he's been on the show, and so I've had some gear questions kind of stacking up. So we're going to be talking all about different gear-related questions today, having to do with lead tape and racket balance and creating more spin and more power by altering your frame and all kinds of stuff like that. So if you're interested in improving your tennis by knowing more about the gear and equipment that you play with, Today's show is definitely going to be for you. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the podcast is Master Racket Technician Jeremy Plumley. Jeremy, it's really good to have you back on the show again. Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thanks, Ian. It's good to be back. Well, it's uh, it's been too long since I had you on the show last, and I, I've had some gear questions kind of get piled up over the last couple of weeks and probably months since I had you on the show last. And I'm sorry it's been so long uh, to both you and my listeners uh, who've been waiting for uh, gear topics. And I definitely wait to have you on the show because... Um, while I might know some of the answers to these questions, I'm not able to explain it in the same depth as you are. So I'm, I'm really ha- happy to have you back on the show. That's me, Mr. Depth. <laughs> Mr. Depth, yes. Uh, well, uh, as I said, Jeremy is a master racket technician. He's also a certified tennis professional, so he really knows his stuff. And uh, so let's go ahead and, and get started. And, and Jeremy and I are going to talk about actually seven different questions today and this is going to get broken up into two podcast episodes i'm not sure exactly where we're going to draw the line but we'll be talking about half of them or or so uh today on today's show and uh, at some points i'm gonna cut the show off and continue it at a, a later podcast so we'll get to about half of them today um so jeremy are, are you set to go i'm ready to roll okay so number one this comes to us from gavin and he wants to know, uh, several of these questions are going to come to us from Gavin, by the way, but one of them had to do with racket fads. He wrote and said, what about racket lengths? A few, a few years ago, 28-inch XL rackets seemed to be all the rage. As an example, the Michael Chain racket and, and others. Nowadays, XL rackets seem to be much more rare. Why the change? Would he recommend an XL racket to somebody that, um, that isn't for, example, the height of John Isner? And he also says, again, a few years ago, heavy rackets seemed to be popular. For example, the Wilson Hammer Rage. 
I found an old 95 square square inch 260 gram racket in my garage recently and as an experiment added 30 grams to the hoop. It turned out it turned into a beast on ground strokes, much more powerful than my normal racket. Nowadays all rackets seem to be headlights. Why do you think there has been a change in the market? What are your preferences regarding headlights or head heavy balance? Or are you not even that bothered? So uh, let's talk about kind of trends as far as frames are concerned, Jeremy. And he points out the kind of extra length rackets that were popular a few years ago and also shifts in different weights. I'm, I'm curious to hear if you think that there's even been trends in weights or if that's just kind of marketing certain uh, ranges of weights within uh, racket lines for major companies. Uh, so what do you think, Jeremy? Um. Well, I think we've we've gotten away from any real fads when it comes to weights recently. There have been times when, you know, they were looking for ultra-light rackets. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember back in the early 90s, um, Yamaha came out with a racket, and it was the first racket that was ever 9 ounces, or maybe it was 10 ounces, but... Whatever it was, it was really light at the time. And everybody was like, wow, this is amazing. It's a very light racket. <laughs> now, you know, almost every major manufacturer has something, has at least one frame lower than that. Um, and some of them have several. Uh, so I don't know if we've ever really been in a, a trend where heavy rackets were popular. I mean, there was a time when, Rackets were only heavy um, before they got really good with um, using, you know, high modulus graphite, and then they moved into titanium and mm-hmm. carbon and and all that. Um, I think when he was when uh, Gavin was talking about finding that hammer in the in the garage and you know taking it out of the mothballs and you know lead taping it up to all <laughs> get out, um, that was. You know, the the hammer craze was a head-heavy craze. It wasn't an all-around weight as far as the racket went. It wasn't exceptionally heavy. It's just where the weight was put. And uh, that was was popular for a while because that really helped people create more power um, and, if they swung the right way, more spin on their ground strokes. Okay. Yeah, and I, I was that was kind of what I had in my own head as well. Was it, it seemed it seemed to me that all the major manufacturers really come out with at least one racket at each major weight class, you know, as it were nine ounces, ten ounces, eleven, and maybe at least one at twelve ounces. Um, is that something that's just come about recently, where the manufacturers have uh, that wide a range of weights, or has that been around for a while? Um. I think more so now than it used to be. Uh, the big manufacturers, you know, Wilson, Babolat, Head, Prince, the ones that really have a lot of rackets in their line, just because they have so many options, they're going to have stuff that falls into each category. Um, some of the smaller uh, racket companies, say, for example, Yonix, um, you know, they don't really have anything ultra lightweight. Um, they kind of have more tweeners and then they have a couple rackets that are like their tour models that you know Hewitt uses or Ivanovich um, but they don't really they don't really cover the whole spectrum 
the way that Wilson does. You know, Wilson has their Cirrus 1 racket, which is, you know, really light, um, extra length added, uh, which was one of the fads he was talking about that we've kind of gotten away from. And then they have that at one end, and then all the way at the other end, they have the uh, the K-Pro staff, 88 square inches plus mm-hmm. 13 ounces. Yeah, let's talk about the length. Uh, I, I remember back in the 90s when, uh, I remember I had a Prince Thunderstick that was uh, longer than a, a standard length, and it was really popular back then. I remember the ads in uh, in Tennis Magazine for it. How come they seem to have just about gone away altogether? You just mentioned one specific frame that's longer than a, a standard length, but but how come we don't see much of that anymore when it was so popular before? Um, I think a couple reasons. Um, right now on the market, about the longest extended length that you can find is about 28 inches, which is one inch extended from a standard frame. Mm-hmm. Um much more than that, I just I can't think of any rackets currently on the market that go longer than 28 inches. Uh, I think the big part of that was when a racket gets lengthened, it actually increases the uh, swing weight, which takes a little bit longer to get through, and it can be a little bit more difficult to get that racket through on your on on your ground strokes. That's one thing. Um, I think the other part of it is a lot of people were seeing those rackets as an ultimate game improvement. Give me a two inch longer racket. I just went from five foot eight to five foot ten. <laughs> right. Um, but they didn't take into consideration that added weight. Also, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that extra two inches also, you know, changes your footwork a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can really, you know, talk to that as you know, a tennis professional, but that two inches can be the difference between a good shot and getting jammed. Sure. And I think a lot of hmm, lower intermediate and maybe even beginner players picked up these rackets and they found it a little bit harder to play with than their standard length rackets. And maybe the the, uh, the benefits of that extra length, more reach at the net, more leverage on the serve, maybe didn't outweigh the negatives. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to question number two in our line of seven questions here. And this one also comes from Gavin. In this question, he said, there are lots of different types of strains out there, polys, synthetic guts, multifilament strains. Yvonne Lendl recently commented that he thought the biggest change in the game since he was a pro were the strains. What do you personally play with during coaching and matches? And what do you think are pros and cons of each type of strain? What type of strains would you recommend for an intermediate, say, 3.5 level player? So lots of, lots of stuff we could talk about in there. First of all, I'm, I'm curious uh, what your opinion is on this statement that he, uh, he quoted Lendl on. In, that, in saying that he thought that the biggest uh, difference between when Lendl was a pro and the modern game, and I don't know when that, that quote was taken from exactly, um, but apparently Lendl thought that the strains were the, the biggest difference between when he was a pro and whenever this quote, quote was taken. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, Jeremy? Um, I, I tend to agree with Lendl, uh, which really? is... Um, if, if, if uh, you had known me uh, growing up, I despised Devon Lendl. Um, 
But uh, he's not the only person that thinks that. There's a lot of former players out there uh, that have really said that the string technology has been the biggest jump. And not just, you know, string technology in general. They're talking about the polyester. They're talking about right. the topolis, the, the Luxalon, the, the new hot string that everybody's talking about that Nadal is using, RPM Blast. Um, that is, you know, the, the biggest thing in string technology for as long as I can remember. Um, and those who aren't familiar with polyester, you know, you've probably heard it if you've been watching Wimbledon or you know, the French Open before that. Polyester is a very stiff, dead string that allow the players to swing through it as pretty much as hard as they can. And because they're not getting a lot of um, launch off of the racket uh, string bed, they're able to control the ball and keep it in the court. And what it's basically led to is People like Nadal running, you know, six, seven feet outside of the court behind the baseline, they're able to produce these massive shots with tons of spin that allow them to stay in the point or even win the point with just one massive swing. So, so if we took Nadal and the, you know, the athleticism and the stroke technique that he brings to the table currently, and we gave him, let's say, uh, T2000 with whatever uh, strain, you know, Jimmy Connors would have put in that racket uh, back when he was playing uh, with it in the 70s and 80s. Um, Are you saying that you don't think Nadal would be able to produce the same amount of topspin and same basic resulting shots with his ground strokes? I don't think he would right off the bat. Um, The T2000, you know, that's kind of a different animal all in itself. Okay. Um, if if you want to go back, um, let's say I mean let's say a stick that's you know not wooden rackets. Let's not go back quite that far, but okay. Uh, let's say an early you know aluminum or, or metal you know frame or early metal frame. Uh, possibly. Which was possibly. which was Lendl's you know era, correct? Am I right on that? Yeah, Lendl. I mean, he covered a he covered a long he had a long career. You know, he had. Mm-hmm. Um, he started off with a Woody, went into the um, went into the metal phase, and then when he finished, he was pretty much in that kind of high modulus graphite um, with some fiberglass. He used a Mizuno racket that I think had had a good amount of fiberglass in it, um, okay. which allowed them to keep the weight down, but it was still pretty stiff. But nothing like um, like the Aero Pro Drive that Nadal is using now. I think, you know, what the racket that Nadal is using isn't, you know, extraordinarily heavy. Um, it's a pretty powerful racket. It's probably much stiffer than um, any of the rackets that Lendl used even late in his career. Um, so that would definitely help Nadal with his power. Mm-hmm. I think Nadal gets so much spin from his uh, racket, racket head acceleration. And, you know, he just he just swings at such a, a vertical angle that he imparts so much spin on that ball. He could do that with any racket. Um, I don't think materials of frame would, would make that big of a difference. I think it would be more of the weight. Would he be able to, to generate that type of racket head acceleration 
like you said, with the T two thousand, probably not right off the bat, but you know, the guy's pretty strong. He get it <laughs> through there at a, at a at a decent speed. Well, before we continue our conversation on strains, I just want to remind my listeners about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Championship Tennis Tours. You guys can find them at tennistours.com, and their specialty is selling professional tennis event tickets, whether it be WTA or ATP tour events. And also, they put together great travel packages, including accommodations and transportation to and from a hotel and your event. Put together some awesome packages. And some upcoming ones are um, having to do with the U.S. Open. And I really encourage you guys to check that out. In fact, if you purchase a travel package with them to go to the U.S. Open and you check out with the promotional code ESSENTIAL with a capital E, you will not only receive a discount off your purchase, but you will also be invited to attend a cocktail party in Times Square that will have both myself and Will Hamilton of Fuzzy Old Balls there. So definitely uh, really cool stuff that they're doing, and uh, I really appreciate their support of the Essential Tennis Podcast by being a sponsor. So go check them out, tennistours.com. Let's uh, let's talk a bit more about strains. Uh, Gavin asked us to, or asked you, uh, to kind of go over the, the pros and cons of each general type of strain. And you just talked about the polys. Um, and you talked about the, the pros, essentially, of it being dead and stiff for, for big hitters to help them control the ball a little better. What's, um, what would be the cons of a, a polyester strain? And then let's go into uh, synthetic gut as well. What, are, what would be the pr- general pros and cons? Okay, well, uh, the, first off, the cons of polyester are what is possibly a pro for a high-level player would be a con for your everyday um, recreational or club-level player. Okay. A very stiff string bed is pretty uncomfortable. Um, you're not getting a lot of help from the string, so you're going to be using more of your arm. So arm fatigue is going to be you know, a little bit higher with a stiff string like that, that you're not getting a lot of balance off of. Um, the other part of it is the polyesters, because they're basically just one thick string, they lose tension very quickly. They go, quote-unquote, you know, dead. Um, I know I said it was a dead <laughs> string but before, More but dead. they become just you know, terribly loose a lot quicker than a standard synthetic string. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's just comfort and actual, you know, life of playability for those strings that are that are on the low side. Um, another pro of them is if you're if you're a pretty high level player and you can handle it, they're very durable. Um, they don't break quickly. They just they just lose their resilience. Okay. All right. Now, how about your your basic generic? Uh, synthetic gut. What would be the the basic pros and cons of uh, synthetic gut strain? Um, just a basic synthetic gut, like a Prince synthetic gut with Duraflex or um, uh, Wilson uh, thin gut extreme. They're good because they they don't really shine in any particular area. They're not the most durable string on the market, but they don't you know break real easily. They they kind of they fall somewhere in the middle. Um, they tend to be a little bit crisper feel 
because they tend to use um, a little bit uh, different material for it. Um, they're also pretty cheap. Um, normally, they're like four, five, six bucks for an entire set, so you're not breaking the bank. Um, they they don't really have a lot of pluses or minuses. Um, you know, it can go in either direction. There, they they play decent but not great. Um, they just kind of fall in the middle. Okay. And lastly, how about multi-filament strings? Multi-filament strings basically are at the opposite end of the polyester. Um, a multi-filament string is several different filaments <laughs> wrapped together um, to make a softer string. Um, normally, they also have more grab on the ball. Uh, so you might get a little bit more dwell time in the string bed with your swing. Okay. Uh, like I said, they tend to be softer, which means they're easier on the arm. Uh, they do not tend to be as durable because they are, you know, several strands rather than, you know, one thick strand. So with each shot, they break down a little bit each time. Uh, but they hold tension very well because, it's not just one giant string. They're woven together and they slowly unravel throughout time. They hold tension better than something that would be solid. Okay. And then lastly, he, he asked for um, a recommendation for an intermediate level player. And I, I'm, what I'm curious about it, as you answer this, Jeremy, is in your opinion, from, from your perspective, how much... Um, when you recommend a string to somebody, how much of it has to do with their ability level and how much is personal preference? I, I mean, c can a lower-level player prefer polyester, and is that okay? And, and can an upper-level player prefer a softer multi-filament string, as an example? Absolutely. Um, I don't like to think of recommending strings in terms of somebody's playing level I like to think of it as more of their style of play. Okay. Um, if you go out to a park and you see 10 different 3.5 players, you might see 10 different styles of play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, each string, while it has, you know, its good points and its bad points, it, it takes the right type of player to bring those out. Some you know, some top-level players do prefer that softer feel. Um, probably not the guys on the Pro Tour, um, but you'll find a lot of players that prefer that softer feel of a Wilson NXT or a Gamma Professional string because maybe that's just what they've been used to. Um, maybe they have an arm injury, uh, so they can't use something stiff. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're a lower level player, but you use a lot of pop spin, then, you know, maybe a polyester, at least in a hybrid, you know, it might suit you. It, and it is a personal preference for some people. Some people prefer a very stiff string bed. Um, I think you're one of them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily break down to, ah, well, you're a 5-0 player. This is the string you should be using. It, it really is the style of play and, and your personal preference. Okay. 
Uh, he, he also asks uh, what we play with, and <laughs> I, I I play with whatever Jeremy puts in my racket. Uh, <laughs> I, I think over my last five string jobs, I've had five different types of strain in my my racket, and and I teach and play with the same uh, strain, by the way. Um, currently, I've got full polyester <laughs> in my rackets that, that I teach with, you know, 30, 40, 40 hours a week, um, and that's what I play with as well. I don't, which uh, which strain did you put in there, Jeremy? It's it's all one is all white and one is all black. Uh, that was a Head Sonic Pro. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it, it is a polyester. It's um, it's a softer polyester uh, because Head wanted to make a string that could give you the benefits of a Luxalon, um, but make it a little bit more user friendly. Um, it's it's still not. <laughs> it's still not recommended for everybody, um, <laughs> but it is. It's I almost I would almost call it an entry level polyester. Okay. Um, not because it doesn't perform uh, well, but because it's a little bit more comfortable. Um, you've been my guinea pig with trying new strings, you know, all the time and letting me do funky tensions and stuff <laughs> like that. So, so I have appreciated that. Um, yeah. I'm uh, I'm not picky. Uh, I, well, I'll take that back. I don't like soft strains, and I mean you've always known that. So you've never put, you know, uh, I, re- I remember you you put natural gun in my racket once, but you strung it at a pretty high tension. So you've always stayed within you know basic parameters that I enjoy. But beyond that, I'm I'm not picky at all. How, how about you? What do you have in your rackets right now? Um, well, right now I actually have that that uh, very popular. Um, RPM blast string from Babylon. Yeah, the black stuff, right? The black stuff, yeah. Uh, I had gotten a sample string from our Babylon rep uh, a few months ago, and I put it in. And honestly, I was I was out hitting yesterday with my wife, and uh, I was noticing it's pretty dead. It's been yeah. it's been a while. It, it is time to uh, to get some new strings in there. But but like you, um, I don't. When I teach, I don't use anything different than what I would normally play with. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, it looks like we've got enough time for one more question in this uh, show segment, and then the the next question that you and I answer will be uh, put over on another uh, another episode. Uh, let's answer a question from Chris in Wisconsin. Chris, good to hear from you uh, from the uh, the motherland. I'm from Wisconsin, and hey. uh, eh? and I know J- Jeremy appreciates it as well since he's from Ohio, right? Go Bucks! Yeah. Uh, so uh, Chris uh, put himself down as a four or five player, and he said, "What does the balance of the racket influence?" I am currently using the Arrow Pro Lite, and it is a very light racket, so it is slightly head heavy. I am searching for more topspin, but also more power. I cannot, uh, I'm sorry, but I cannot buy a different racket. Where should I put lead tape in order to, in order to produce more topspin and a little more pace? Jeremy, what do you think? Um, four or five player Aero Pro Lite. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about, um, the Aero Pro Lite and also the, uh, the Pure Drive Lite online. Um, some people find them to, just kind of be a blank canvas hmm. <laughs> where you don't have a lot of weight on the racket as it is, 
so you can you know really customize it without going past a comfortable weight. Um, if you're looking for more pace on your ground strokes, you want to add weight in the head of the racket. Uh, the, the, the higher up on the racket you put the lead tape, the more it's going to increase your swing weight. Okay. Um, the important thing to remember, though, is you don't want to go crazy. Um, I know Gavin added 30 grams of lead tape to his <laughs> heavy hammer racket, and <laughs> um, I don't think he's still playing with that. Uh, it's fun to experiment with that kind of stuff, but what you'll find is um, you don't want to go too much in one direction because it's going to really throw off the balance of the frame. Now, you can add more at the top, but then you know bring a little bit down. Um, also put some down maybe underneath uh, the grip or in the throat of the racket to kind of balance it out, um, but you don't want to go crazy in one direction. Um, four or five player, if he's staying back on the baseline, you know, you know, the whole time, if he only comes up to the net to shake hands, then, you know, let it up in the head, add a little bit down in the grip. But you'll see, you'll get um, more racket head acceleration, but it's going to swing a little bit heavier. It's going to sacrifice some maneuverability up at the net. Um, and it also might um, take a little bit of adjustment when you're swinging up to the ball on your serve. Now, what about the subject of topspin? I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. And I know how I would answer this question, but I, I'm, I'm wondering what, uh, what you're going to say as far as adding lead tape to one part of the racket or another to increase topspin. Is, is that something that's, that's possible? Um, well, ultimately, it comes down to how you're swinging, swinging at the ball. Okay. Um, if you add weight at the top and you swing through it, you're going to get more mass uh, going through the ball. So the, the chances of getting more topspin by adding weight there are better. Um, but you're not going to get more topspin just by adding weight. Okay. You're going to have to still you know, swing through it. All things being equal, if you've got more mass going through the ball at the same angle as you do with the racket with less mass, you're going to be able to impart more spin. Is it going to be a lot? Mm, maybe not. I don't have the type of equipment to, to measure that. Um, but you are going to give yourself the possibility of adding more spin to it by adding weight to the head of the racket. Well, since Chris is a, a four or five player, I'm I'm assuming that he's already hitting with topspin on, on the baseline. But just for for clarification for the rest of you listening, uh, and Jeremy, correct me if I'm I'm wrong in, in how I'm stating this. But what it sounds like you're saying is that if if you're not already swinging at your ground strokes in in such a racket path that's creating topspin already adding lead tape to one place or another is not going to create topspin or, or make more topspin where there wasn't some already. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. And, and the same thing will go um, with those with textured and uh, hexagon-shaped strings. If you're not already putting spin on the ball, that alone is not going to add spin to it. Okay. Um, anything else to add on, on those three 
topics that we just talked about. We talked about the fads, uh, racket fads, the different types of strain. Just talked about uh, lead tape to create more power and more spin. Um, anything else to add on any of those three, Jeremy? Um, maybe just a little something on balance. Uh, we, we we spent a lot of time talking about head heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but head light rackets, you know, while you're not getting as much of an addition of a, a possible addition of you know top spin and power on your ground strokes, you are going to have a more traditional feel where the weight's going to be in your hand. It's going to be a more maneuverable frame. So if you're a volleyer, if you're a serving volleyer, if you're playing a lot of doubles, you might want to look at something that's you know more head light uh, rather than head heavy. Um, if if your net game's an important part of your game, then you should probably be looking at a head light racket. So that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of what we were kind of talking about, but I thought we should probably throw that in. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Well, uh, Jeremy and I are going to wrap up this segment. Uh, This is going to be podcast number 124, but we will continue our conversation right now. You'll just be able to hear it on a, a future episode. So definitely... Stay tuned if you want to hear the rest of our uh, conversation. And if you're listening to Podcast 124 and you want to hear the rest of our talk, other topics we're going to cover um, are going to have to do um, with uh, lead tape. We we have another question, different application having to do with lead tape, um, not having so much to do with balance. Uh, We're going to talk about, um, let's see, uh, racket weights in general, uh, lighter rackets versus heavy rackets, also racket head sizes, and talking about strings and what gauges uh, make different changes in results uh, coming off the racket. So those are going to be the next topics we're going to talk about. But uh, for now, we're going to wrap up episode number 124. Jeremy, thanks a lot uh, for your time. And uh, my listeners and myself always appreciate you dropping by. Well, thank you very much. And I guess I'll see you in the future. That does it for episode number 124 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today and for listening to my conversation with Jeremy. And our conversation will continue in a near future episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Not sure which show exactly, but um, we did continue our conversation and it's going to be coming up soon. Not sure which show, but but we will continue it and uh, finish up with a couple of questions that we had. Well, that does it for this week. And before I wrap things up, I want to tell you guys that I've got something new coming your way soon, or at least an offer. Um, I'm I'm going to be starting to do some more audio content each week. It looks like I'll probably be adding an extra hour of audio tennis instruction that's going to be really focused on a couple of special listeners who uh, decide to join me. And if, if that's something that sounds like that you're, you would be interested in, send me an email, and I'll give you some advance uh, notice on that. Uh, shoot me an email to ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com, and I'll let you know when I have more details. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks again, everybody. Take care, and good luck with your tennis. Tennis.